Party Pal, the mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Shields. Welcome to the Party Pal. It's part of the Osiris Media Group. Head over to OsirisPod.com. Check out their uh, vast array of uh, eclectic arts and culture, a lot of music podcasts. That's over at OsirisPod.com. Check it out. Um, I'm so excited about today's show. Not only because of what we're talking about, but um, we have on the program today uh, a good friend of mine, an author whose works I love, and someone I've been taking cues uh, uh, from on film and television almost all my life, and someone who shares my excitement and passion for cinematic art of all kinds, that is Douglas Grant. Doug, welcome to the party. Hello, Mike. Thanks for having me. Of course. This is uh, this is going to be great because I know we're both passionate uh about what we're going to talk about, and that is Alice in Borderland. It's the Japanese sci-fi suspense thriller drama based on the manga of the same name, uh, written by Hiro Aso. Uh, I, I might have been saying that wrong, and I apologize if I mess uh, up any of these names. I've only read most of these names. I, I, have, I have not heard them spoken out. The series is directed by Shinsuke Sato and follows groupings of young adults trapped in an abandoned Tokyo, where they are forced to participate in dangerous games, the type and difficulty of which are determined by playing cards. Those surviving each game receive visas, and that extends them to play more. Uh, There's a whole lot more to it, of course, but we're going to get to all that. And as usual, uh, spoilers uh, on spoilers on spoilers. We're going to get into the whole season here. Doug, to get the ball rolling here... um, I'd love to hear your thoughts in general, um, you know, likes, dislikes, just anything, you know, you'd like to kind of start us out with. Well, sure. Uh, first thing is that you recommended the show to me, and so um, I took that seriously and I dove right in. 
And uh, there's a lot to unpack with this show, obviously. But one of the first things I noticed is when I was done watching it, I didn't know how I felt about it. And that <laughs> that's a good feeling for me because I'm thinking about it. And then a day later, I'm still thinking about it. And I'm trying to deal with like my feelings on this show and my thoughts. Um, I will say, though, that uh, in terms of how I watch TV these days, how I consume it, um, I do it the way that nature intended, which is one episode a week at a time. Normally I do that. I'm not a binger. I like to digest an episode an hour at a time, think about it and then revisit or get to the next one a week later. But in this one, I broke my own rule. I was just like, I gotta, I, I gotta go back and see what's going on with these characters, where they're at, what, what's next for them. Because I just, I, I you know, I had feelings of like anxiety over it. I had to, obviously, there's a lot of humor in the show, yeah. and I, I just found myself binging a show, which is a rule that I have for myself that I normally don't break. I really appreciate your purest attitude on that, and you know what? That is what is lost so often in binging is that time in between to contemplate, to appreciate. I mean, you know, I, I, I bring up Breaking Bad uh, all too often, but I think, you know, when I was taking in originally and I was breaking it down, I was writing about it a lot. If I'm just binging through it, I wouldn't be picking up all the Easter eggs. I really have the time to dissect it and get into it. Um, but also that says a lot about how you felt about Alice in Borderland and, and you know, really, really <laughs> what it did to you. Um you touched on something that I, I want to mention right away. It's, it's quite a wild ride. It's, 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 it could be, it's, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. It's very, very fun. I had a blast watching the show, but also it's, it's, it's traumatic as well. I mean, this, there's a lot of emotional trauma. There's a lot of violence. There's, it's, it's, you know, it's tough to swallow some of these visuals and some of these situations they put you in. Yeah, I agree. I've been a fan of Japanese cinema for a long time. And when I was a young teenager, I remember watching certain shows, movies that made me really uncomfortable uh, in terms of sex, violence, uh, character interaction. Uh, I was dragged out of my comfort zone in a lot of regards, and this is no exception. Um, I don't want I don't want to assert that this is a commonality in Japanese cinema, but I just... I just noticed there are just subtle cultural differences that uh, things that you don't see quite as much in American cinema in terms of like <laughs> shock shock value is slightly different in this sure. show. Yeah. Um, but I just that being said, I think that's part of what brought me back uh, in such rapid succession mm-hmm. was just this um, when I've just absorbed an episode and seen how crazy things got. It's just like, where are they going to go next with this? <laughs> And it did. It it, it it just the way it developed. I mean, obviously, it, it, it's something that really uh, just. I just thought this was top notch world building, first and foremost. I just, you know, right away you brought brought us in the first episode, and I'm I'm gonna roll through the episodes here in a little bit and just kind of touch touch on some some of the moments that really stood out. But I mean, right off the top, they uh, you know were introduced to um, three characters, which I assumed would be the main characters throughout. And then something happens so fast that changes everything and brings us into, you know, an alternate universe. And uh, it just it, it just felt like as it moved along, it kept opening up and opening it up. And I was actually really surprised because I was I love the idea. I could have gone episode to episode just enjoying the the games, the the you know the the situations they were put in, and because I just thought they were so novel. They told us a lot about each character, the way they reacted to it. 
but I mean, you know, soon we were seeing that there was a, a you know, a bigger, you know, picture uh, with the beach situation there. And even as the series concluded, as, as we'll dig into deeper, it's, you know, there's, there's a larger, um, you know, uh, force at play. And just it felt like it kept expanding. And I just thought it was truly top-notch world building. I thought, you know, there was a lot of vibes of, uh, of shows or, or t- movies that I really, really like. And, you know, even with that said, it was so novel. But I was feeling, you know, Running Man vibes, you know, Lost vibes, um, the, sh- the series with a... Uh, a lot of the um, you know backstory of each of the characters as you move through Lord of the Flies, um, uh, very much so. Um, Ready Player One, Hunger Games, all these uh, all these movies felt present in the ideas, but it also felt like such a, a, a novel uh, experience. But the world building was just so impressive. Yeah, agreed. Obviously, this is based on a manga that was written years ago, mm-hmm. but I was going into it, I was a little worried. Is this going to be derivative? Is yep. this going to be? But it was not. Yeah. Not, not in any sense. I could. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So let's let's do. You, do you want? I say we just run through some of these episodes, and I think as we pinpoint some, um, you know, moments in the show that'll bring us off to some some ideas that are present throughout. So, you know, episode one, it. Uh, it sets the tables. It's uh, an introduction to the game, the cards, and, and, and the difficult levels, the visas, um, you know. And then and then we got some backstory to the characters. And uh, I thought uh, those characters, I thought the three specific, the the good buddies there. I thought we were going to spend a lot of time with, and that was certainly not the case. No, <laughs> and I like I like these characters. I like I, so I like yeah. I, I like. like and they, they had the banter, they had the whole dynamic thing yeah. going on, and this is this is full spoilers, like you said, right? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um, but, uh, you know, we're with them, and they, they play off each other well, and yeah. then, um, I know you said we're going to go through episodes one by one, but then, <laughs> mere three episodes in, where we get our red wedding moment, and I'm just <laughs> like, what? Yeah. what? <laughs> I, uh, I'm so taken by that. Um you maybe it's a, a trick per se, but uh, or just a, a tool that a, that a, you know writers use. But that whole idea of uh, no lives are precious, and um, anytime that's employed early in a series, I just there's something that grabs me so much in that. I find it brave by a writer. It's saying that you know I have so much more to offer that I don't really need these characters. Like it's or the or it's kind of you know just kind of a a head fake, and they, and they go the other way, you know and it just there's something about it that pulls me in every time. I'm like, damn, if they're ready to, to do that at this point, you know, what else are they going to do? And I'm just, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just captivated on a whole nother level. But in this case, and you just nailed it in that they, their dynamic was perfect. Is I mean, they cared for each other. Like it just, it seemed like all three of them were going to be untouchable, and you know, with each other, the. Um, the entire time and you know we got to know them more in, in episode two and that was the one with the uh, apartment complex game um tag um and that's where some violence really really started to come in in a major way and you know it's it's that's uh you know we, we met some more characters there i think that's where usagi came in i think but uh yeah it's that that tool of uh you know just just no nothing's precious and i just really felt that that was something that really propelled the show moving forward in just a major way yeah tag was really intense and um also that's where we learn um 
about the, the meaning of the face cards. Um, I'm not the face cards, I'm sorry, but the meaning of the different suits. The different cards, yeah. And, and then um, also where we meet the leader of the militants, a goonie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so the spades means uh, games of strength. Clubs are the team battles. Diamonds are battle of wits. And um, what are the hearts? Those are... Uh, hearts is when you... That plays with your emotions, right? Betrayal, yes. Emotions. Yeah, games. yeah those, those are messed up ones. That's So that's episode three was one of those, right? That was the... Uh, botanical garden game. I think it was called hide and seek. And that one is just to like, you know, emotionally torment you. That's really, really wild. And and in that game, um, uh, Arisu was the only one who made it out alive, which is just, it's still, well, I mean that game. Yeah. And that game opened up the the viewers eyes to the fact that like, I think when we're watching these games, we're like, all right, if everyone sticks together, if everyone uses their wits, then everyone can survive this. But as soon as that game, the rules were announced, it's like, all right, one of you is getting out of this and three of you are not. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 you knew something was more vulnerable and big there. Um, you just talked about wits. That's something I liked a lot in this show. And um, it was kind of like uh, uh, wits were like a, a bit of a superpower, especially when we're talking about uh, um, the main character. And, um, you know, obviously agility and fitness come into play when, um, in regards to uh, Usagi and she, you know, her being a, a mountain climber, um, you know, that obviously helps in these games. But his wits were kind of like his his strong suit and just kind of his superpower as in this, um, you know, science fiction world. I just that he he was a lot of fun. Have you ever heard the term um, neets, N-E-E-T-S? I don't think I have. Yeah, so I hadn't either. When I and I was uh, so I was reading up on it, and it, I kept coming up upon how this was a story about neats, and it's it's I guess it's something that's coming up in Japanese culture a lot. I mean, I, I guess you could almost just uh, parallel right to it in American culture as what many people would, you know, call slackers or townies. It means um, not <laughs> in education, employment, or training. So that's kind of what the the three of them were, you know. Arisu's, uh, you know, he's he just wants a he has little ambition, kind of wants to stay home, living off his parents' money, just wants to play video games. But he's so capable. That's something that that's important to uh, notice. Um, you know, uh, Karubi's a, a bartender, and you know, sleeping sleeping with his boss's wife, and just you know, kind of he's he's not in education, employment, or training. And even Chota, he's a IT salesman who doesn't, you know, he's kind of doesn't really care about it but this is a you know this was a story about those that type of um generation which is different than the generation above it in japan and kind of the you know fighting through the gloomy pessimism of adolescence and the whole thing and that's one thing they did change um you know while i think of it i'll just bring it up they from the um manga it was a uh they were high school kids and they kind of propelled them into young adulthood but um yeah so these were these were these were kind of kids or younger people who you know aren't given credit for what they're capable of because they're kind of got a slacker mentality but when put into the uh these these life or death and very dire situations they were able to they were super super capable yeah <clears throat> two things that i want to comment on that is uh the first is that i i read that although arisu we, we know ahead of time that he's good at um technology we know that he's good at coding and problem solving and, and puzzles mm-hmm. and we learned that right away in the first game um, but I also read that 
the author was not trying to set you up to think that um, Arisu has been brought to this world as a savior, as mm. like a Neo or a Superman or yeah. the chosen one. He's meant to be someone who stands just with the rest, but he's got this edge because of his abilities. Wow. Wow. That's cool. Then, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and then the second thing, I, we might get to more of this in a little bit. I don't want to get off track, but I yeah, I, I have been actively... I've been actively looking for parallels because there weren't too many of them uh, between the show and the manga mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the source material. Well, not the, the manga is the source material, but Lewis Carroll's novel, Alice, um, Alice's Adventures in, actually, Through the Looking Glass is the sequel, yeah, yeah. Alice's Adventures in Wonderland because, mm-hmm. you know, Alice is someone who's considered lazy and not focused mm-hmm. and not really, uh, not really being much of a astute as, as an astute person as she could be, and then she goes into Wonderland and she starts solving puzzles and finding her way based mm-hmm. on her wits and her abilities. Yep. And so there's that parallel there between her and Arisu. Yeah, yeah. Arisu uh, translates to Alice. I was actually doing the same thing. I was actually, I think I was probably looking too hard because it's on the surface, just that idea. You just nailed it of, of, of the correlation there. And there's, you know, a couple other things. There's a, you know, kind of one of the characters named after the Cheshire Cat and obviously had her at the beach. Um, you know, so, so there's some overt, overt things, but I, I was like, I had my eyes peeled the whole time to see how, how far they were going to take that parallel, but they had, you know, enough, enough in this story to chew on. Uh, I didn't mention it in episode two is when they, um, they found the radio saying the return to the beach. And that was obviously planting a seed that was going to blossom um, later on. But before we get to the beach, that, that which happens in episode five, I really enjoyed the episode four, which was called, um, which the game was called Distance. And it was the bus episode, um, you know, and there was a panther. We had a panther, a panther come into the mix, which is kind of a nice ballsy play that, that I didn't see coming. Um, but one thing that's I, I, I find... Um, pretty gripping about a show like this and it's and i think this is where a lot of depth can come into it is that um you know games like this they harden people and they um you know the more uh, a player wins the more they could actually be losing their humanity because oftentimes they have to sacrifice you know uh, themselves and uh, you know who they are as a human and by sacrificing others and you know, things get really, really primal. And so you get, it, it's great when you see people who stick to their decency. And that's, you know, Risu goes back for the player left behind who sprained his leg in this one. And I guess, you know, in, in, in something with the stakes are this high, it's really, it, it creates a situation where if you're being good, it really stands out in a, in a way that's, you know, really, it's it just enlightening and, and awesome. And, uh, you know, we got to see that, you know, through this distance, which was funny because he was going back and um, they, sh- they didn't really need to go anywhere there. there was, that was a nice little twist at the end. Yeah, there was more than one instance where we had characters saying, I had to do what I had to do to survive. I had yeah. to sacrifice another player to survive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they do set up that contrast for when you have people looking up for each other, trying to help make sure everyone survives. Like, you know, that with everyone who's doing everything to look out for themselves and it doesn't matter if they have to sacrifice someone else, it's, it kind of enlivens the um, theme of someone saying, no, we're all in this together. We all need to survive together. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's I mean, it's, I, you know, you know what it's also, and, and that's something you were talking about with thinking. I mean, you, it's fun to, you know, place yourself 
what would you do here? What would, you know, and kind of challenge yourself to see if you'd be making these decisions, you know, for the benefit of the group or, or, you know, how far are you willing to go for the promise just of a few more days alive? And I think we'd all, you know, I, I think we hope that we'd, we'd, we'd do the right thing, but, you know, who's to say? These are pretty, pretty dire circumstances. In episode five, we got to see the beach. What did you think of the beach when, when you first got there, when you met Hatter, who's collecting all the cards? You learned the rules of the beach. You learned the swimsuits and the guns. What did you think of the beach? Um, I don't know if it's something about the way Hatter was first presented to us in, like, his bathrobe that I'm like, oh, here we go. We're going to have this over-the-top larger than life character who's like psychotic like kind of like uh wonderland person uh and is he gonna but he's his character was just preserved enough for me to like really get into him and um i like that he takes them in and you wonder if he has ulterior motives but for the most part like he's showing them the ropes um i again i'm looking for parallels between him and the mad hatter and Alice in Wonderland, then I find out his profession was, he was a hatter. (laughs) (laughs) Right on the nose. (laughs) Right. But, you know, he, he, he helped uh, propel that world building for us to view or in terms of all those explanations to um, Arisu and Yuzuha. Yuzuha. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I, uh, I was shocked at how short lived his, uh, his time was on the show. Yeah. We lost Um, him. We lost him in episode six, the next next episode. Yeah. And we, you know, we get him in some flashbacks and we learn about his uh, relationship with Aguni. But I, uh, mm-hmm. I, I was really, really liking Hatter when we lost him. He did. He, he, he had quite a spirit. No, I, <laughs> I think I was with you too. I'm like this. I actually like, and I should have trusted the show at this point already, but I had a point like, all right, here we go. We're falling off the rails. And, you know, when, when he showed up, and it was just, it, I don't know. It's, it, it was a lot to... You thought it, I thought it was going to be a lot to swallow. And it was just, it was, it was, it turned out to be, you know, uh, more of a complex and, and interesting character than I thought. Um, yeah. And then you find out the only remaining card is the 10 of hearts. So it's all, it's all starting to culminate on, until the point where um, we uh, get to that um, second to last, the penultimate episode. Uh, actually, the beach becomes an arena, if I'm right, in episode six. That's where I think yeah. that's where it, the witch hunt begins, and so uh, it, it's really coming to a wild crescendo. Crescendo there because I mean, this place that was all fun and games, where all these people are living, uh, becomes, um, you know, just just the the new game arena. And the new game arena is a uh, that's it's you know what if things become very distressing um, down down the uh, home stretch of this season. You know, um, I found episode seven where like the witch hunt was in full effect to be uh, uh, really wild. I mean, you're watching people get mowed down. Um, you know, it really, I mentioned Lord of the Flies earlier. I felt this is the episode where I think that jumped in my mind in the major way. It was just, it was, it, it was, it was a lot to take in. It was fascinating. And, and the way they played, everything played out was, was um, very impressive, but it was, also, it was devastating in a lot of ways. Yeah, and for me to watch that, I think I've mentioned before, um, that really stretched me to my limit because, yeah, um, you know, obviously this is a Japanese show based on a Japanese manga that was written years ago, yep. but uh, for you and me, Americans, mm-hmm. uh, watching young people flee um, in yep. terror for their lives as they get shot in the back, that was... It's that traumatic, was, man. I don't want to go so far as to say over the top, mm-hmm. but when they started throwing all those bodies on the fire, I was like, 
is this really what I'm going through for entertainment right now? Yeah, Cause that's yeah. when I feel, um, but it did service the story and it did, it did. propel the plot forward. It did. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really like, if I talk, I told you before, I don't know how I felt about the show as when I was done. I was mm-hmm. like, I got to really, I got to be constructive and think about it. That's, that was a major thing I had to take into consideration was like, was that, was that violence too over the top or am I just getting older and, yeah. um, and, and this, this kind of thing has less appeal for me because obviously it, it, it keeps the tension going and it, mm-hmm. it, it reminds the viewers how stakes, how high the stakes are. Definitely. Um, but at the same time, I was just like, oh, this is a lot to take right now. Yeah. No, I, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, as I've gotten older, I've gotten softer. I had a child. I can't handle kidnapping movies. I'm just like, I'm like out when it comes to anything like that. And, you know, I mean, we've, there's, of course, we're broken in this country watching, you know, people, kids file out of school, um, you know, in, in lines. And just, we just, we've seen so much trauma in that you know, in, in that realm. And it's just, it is hard. And you're right. A show like this would normally be so much of where I go to escape. And when you see elements like that come into it, it becomes intense, but you, you know what it did, it did raise the stakes. It did show you what we're dealing with. And, you know, it definitely, yeah, it's, it's off putting, but, uh, appropriately so, but you know, it's, it's, it, it, it makes sense why, why they're, you know, it's part of, part of their story, you know, and that's, that's fine as well. Um, what was fun in episode eight, when we get there, what I love so much is that it felt like, you know, after everything we went through, everything with the witch hunt, all the games, losing, losing all these characters, um, that we cared about, it felt like everything was just beginning and in a great, great way. I mean, you know, we had, um, uh, Momoka and Asahi, those two girls uh, walking the empty street in that flashback, which was so cool. And we learned more about, you know, the dealers who, players who organize um, and, uh, you know, uh, they're in the game and just the, the underground layer that we were exposed to and the, the idea of the, the game masters. And it just felt like as we came to the culmination of the season that, we're just getting started here. And, and what do you think of that season finale and, and, and what this might mean moving forward? I liked it a lot. I, from the very first episode where they went in the bathroom to hide from the cops and they came out and the whole city was gone, I was saying to myself, all right, they're either going to explain in detail how this happened, how all these people just disappear, mm-hmm. or, or maybe they won't. And I'll be okay with that if they don't either. Because yeah. well, maybe I didn't know it then because that was the first episode. But as time <laughs> went on, I'm like, if we never learn like what exactly happened that everyone in Tokyo disappeared. I'll be okay with that. But as we're starting to peel away the layers, I'm like, I think we are going to get an explanation. Yeah. I think this is going to get a lot more complex as we move forward with the story. And, um, and to see all those, uh, they weren't the game masters, but the people they thought were the game masters, the people kind of running all, uh, all the equipment in that, um, I don't know what you want to call it, a command center. Yeah. Yeah. Underground layer <laughs> um, command center. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the nuance of the multiple layers of, because even uh, in the tag episode, the people wearing the horse masks, they were players. And so the people running the command center, they're players. So mm-hmm. we just keep seeing layer upon layer. And now, Definitely. yeah, I want to, I want to see how high this actually goes. Yeah. I was going to say the, and you, I'm, I'm with you too. I, I enjoy it so much. And, and there's so much to grab onto that. I'd be fine if they just kind of, if they're not able to, or we, they don't expose us to exactly what's going on. But also I want to know, and the minute I really want to know is when they first showed the above, like the laser come from above 
just to kill, yeah, to kill I was that just guy. Say that. Yeah, and I mean the, the the two things that just really make me realize how big this could be is that lasers, the lasers coming from the sky, and also the disappearing of the people. And so, I you know ultimately I do want to know, and 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 it definitely showed when when Mara shows up at the end and introduces a new set of games. Uh, to collect the face cards in this case, um, you know, and those blimps come in. I mean, we're dealing with a big production of who's ever in charge here. And it would be really cool. And, you know, it, you know, uh, Arisu was like, he was like, all right, now we got our target. And so they're definitely aiming for the top. And I hope, I hope we're able to climb that ladder to where we go and, and find out who's there. I have not read the manga. So this, um, Season one covered, uh, from if I read it correctly, the events in the first 31 chapters. And so I think exactly. there's 33 chapters remaining. So there's a whole, um, obviously, that could equate to a perfect second season. And I'm really excited for it. Also, there's a, uh, I read that there's like been a, some spinoff series as well. Um, uh, Diane No King, which means King of Diamonds, Alice on Border Road, Alice in Borderland, uh, Retry was one. So there's a lot more uh, material out there if they were to keep this going. But I'll just say this, I'm here for it. I, I, I love this. It's, you know, even I think some of the, the trauma and some of the more intense things heightened the experience. And like you said, set, you know, made you think about it and unpack what was going on. But I ripped through this when I found out about it. It was recommended to me. I ripped through it in, in record, record time. And it just, it's it was amazing amazing world building and um you know what sometimes the jump from anime or the jump from from the page uh you know with that type of art um you, you know it's not always that successful i've seen it you know they've tried it with attack on titan which i i love but you know that didn't didn't resonate that well um you know last airbender there's been a lot of attempts to to come from anime to to uh, live action, and but this one just seemed like such a home run, and and I love the show. I really, really, really did. You have a uh, any any closing thoughts about um you know what you're looking forward to see in the the next season, or just kind of you know uh, you know any takeaways as as you know we we close out this season one conversation. Well, I mean, I this is not uh this show doesn't follow the typical format of a lot of japanese shows i watch mm-hmm. but a lot of japanese shows i watch do um usually do especially if they're adapting like a manga they usually do a first season um that leads off in a place like where we left off with like high stakes and um a bit of a, a bit of a cliffhanger ending and then and then the story will typically get wrapped up in the second season mm. uh usually that's like a 12 uh episode season 24 in total um, but based on how many chapters in the manga we cover, we might have two seasons or we might get three. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that, uh, it takes a lot for me to, not a lot, but it's, it's a very great show or movie that will make me want to go back and devour the source material that happened with Akira, that happened with Blame, that happened mm-hmm. with Lone Wolf and Cub for me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. based on where we left off with this, yeah, I think I'm going to go want to read the source Same. material, sit down with it and, and take it in. Um, because that's what kind of, sh- that's how special this show we're dealing with this. I couldn't agree more. And, um, you know, that'll make it, uh, uh, great when we come back and, um, I have you back on the show, or you're welcome anytime. But uh, and we talk season two. I'm I'm thinking, knowing both of us, that we will have read source material by then, and and even be <laughs> diving in further into all this uh, material. So, Doug, I can't tell you uh, 
how much I enjoyed having you on the show. I've wanted you on for a while. And um, um, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us to talk about this. No, thank you for having me. This is a great discussion and making me think of where I want to go from here in terms of um, picking the show apart. Yes, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I feel like sometimes these conversations just lead me to, um, you know, digging deeper and just it's just it's 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 a way that I get to uh, explore the depth of the show and understand that just as, as you know, there's so much more to dive into. And I'm excited for that. So thanks again, Doug. And uh, thank you, everyone out there for once again joining the party. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.